Welcome to David and David on Real Estate. Join us as we explore the ins and outs of the real estate market. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the David and David on Real Estate podcast. And today we are in episode number 54. Yeah, we have 54. a special guest with us. We have James Reynolds from Centralog. James, great to have you on this morning. Great to be here. Thanks. Absolutely. Episode 54, we're flying along. So thanks so much for joining us. And uh, you know, today we're going to jump into a very important issue because uh, we're going to talk a lot about safety and security. And I find that this is one of those topics that we just, uh, as an industry, don't talk enough about. But we should be because the technology is there and, and the technology is changing so rapidly that we have the ability to really um, level up the security that uh, you know we provide to our clients. And you know today I think we're going to be talking a lot about that. So uh, really excited to jump into this issue to hear more about you, your history with the company, and uh, maybe you can just start off with uh, telling us you know what is this technology that we're going to be talking about today. Well, sure thing. Well, when when customers, uh, when our customers uh, approach us, our customers are real estate boards um, and multiple listing services. You know, they are they are looking for the best technology possible for secure access into the homes. And you know, and um, lock boxes may or may not be you know the the most secure solution, but it's important they be you know as secure as possible. You know, it, it needs to be as because of the enormous convenience factor that they offer and how popular they are, you know, they also need to be safe. And so that's where Centralock comes from. We are a, a technology company um, founded 18 years ago, and our founders saw, um, saw a, a need to enter the business because there wasn't much choice. There wasn't, much, there wasn't competition in the, uh, in the field of electronic lockboxes. In fact, there was one vendor who had dominated the industry and enjoyed a nice monopoly for you know for decades, and uh, initially that worked out just fine. But over time, as that company became more corporate and became owned by a big you know multinational company, um, it wasn't it wasn't any longer a good fit for all of their existing customers, and so the door was open for uh, a viable competitor to enter the market and uh, and meet some needs that that this. Monopoly wasn't meeting, and that turned out to be Central Lock. We were in the right place at the right time, uh, meeting a need. It might be—it's surprising to think, with all the challenges it, facing the real estate industry, that in the, around the year 2000, the biggest issue for most real estate boards and what they were most complaining to their national association about, both NAR in the USA and CREA in Canada was the lack of competition in the electronic lockbox business. There were national task force formed to badger these organizations to do something about it. Um, you know, they said, we, we need competition. This, this, this one company is, is bleeding us and, and not listening to us and not, not innovating. And you know, they have a monopoly. We have no, nowhere to turn. And so um, you know, that, that was the, uh, the atmosphere in the industry when Central Lock launched in, in 2003 uh, with our first installation in 2004. You know, we, were, we were welcomed with open arms uh, in the industry. And we have the unique, the unique situation as a vendor is that our parent company, our owner, is the National Association of Realtors. And so the, the, the customers I'm calling on, I'm basically already in the family. We, uh, you know, we are owned by their national trade organization, which is unlike any other vendor that the industry deals with, unlike the MLS vendors, unlike the showing service vendors. You know, we don't have uh, sh shareholders to satisfy. We, we have to make our our owner look good and, and make agents feel like they're getting the value that they deserve you know, for, for what this is costing them. So it's a really unique, a really unique model that we operate under and it's been real successful. I think we've been, we've been lucky. So uh, James, maybe give us a little bit of your background personally, how you got involved with Century Lock. Uh, were you there back in 2003, 2004? Were you part of oh, it yeah. back then? Well, I, this is all I know are electronic lock boxes. But um, uh, pr prior to Central Lock, I had a, a 16 year career um, as a technology salesperson in the MLS side of the business. So you you and your agents and your in your market, you're very familiar with the uh, 
the CoreLogic Matrix MLS system. Well, I work for one of those companies, a competitor to CoreLogic. So I've been calling on real estate boards um, and been, been involved in their technology decisions for close to 40 years now. You know, I mean, since the, since the mid 80s. And so I've watched organized real estate evolve um, in those days, you know, from the MLS books to the first computerized MLS systems. And I experienced, you know, as a young person in the industry, the, the pushback, you know, there were, there, were, there were agents in those days that wanted nothing to do with computerized technology. You know, they've been using MLS books for years and they've been working great. And uh, they were very resistant to change. Organized real estate was very late in adopting technology. And this wasn't the fault of the, of the practitioners. It was the fault of the, the book publishers. You know, the industry was dominated by two companies that printed the MLS books. And these books were, you know, basically, you know, the lifeblood of the agents, these directories that came out, depending on your board that you belong to, it might've been in some cases a weekly publication, but more often it was bi-monthly in some cases only monthly. In the few cases, it was a quarterly directory, but this was where all the homes for sale were listed. But the problem was those things were out of date by the time the first copy came off the printing press because it was how sold, it wasn't going to be updated until the next book. Um, but the industry embraced these books and, and were very attached to them. And we had to pry them from people's hands, basically, and get them to put their hands on the keyboard. And that's where I came in during that transition. It was a lot of fun because the people that pushed back the hardest ended up being you know, the biggest fans of the industry. And, and, it, and it changed the industry. And you know, the next big evolution after that was the information moving to the internet, you know, and, and having public facing resources and, and organized real estate was afraid that this was going to obsolete them, that with the consumers having their own access to the homes for sale, that this was going to, to, to make the, the realtor redundant when in reality it made the realtor more important, you know, to, to be the person that could, that could bring the deals to a close after the consumer had done some of their home homework. But boy, it was a big change and a lot, a lot of fear. And I was part of that. I worked at Realtor.com for two years, working with the boards in, in giving us their data and getting the data posted and getting them past those fears. So I dealt with, I guess I've dealt with technology fear my whole career. So then then come, then lo and behold, in uh, 2003, um, a company was being formed in Cincinnati, Ohio. There were these five, five entrepreneurs, these five uh, engineers, software engineer, a hardware engineer, an electrical engineer, um, got together and uh, had determined there was a need for an electronic lockbox company. In fact, I think it was the Cincinnati Board of Realtors who had contacted one of these men and said, you know, you've got the, the skills, you've got the knowledge to to." create a competing lockbox system, you know, why don't you try and do it? And by golly, he did it. And I, I knew these people, they, they had another real estate applications in the industry. So I'd had dealings with them and they, they recruited me and hired me as their first employee. So in 2003, I joined the company as employee number one at Central Lock um, with a portfolio full of boards that I had worked with over the years who I, I knew I had firsthand knowledge that they were very interested in an alternative lockbox technology and that they trusted me. And if I told them it was a viable product, they were going to believe me. So I needed this company to convince me it was a viable product to protect myself. And, and by golly, it was, you know, it was, a, it was a, a, a platform that was, like I said, I was welcomed with open arms. The floodgates basically opened. We grew, I think NAR's hope for us that we would bring in one new customer in our first year. And I think we brought in 38 real estate boards in the US and Canada signed on with us. And just like I said, the floodgates opened and we have remained busy for 18 years. I think we've done 21 new board installations in the last year, most of them competitive takeaways from this, this other company. Um, so their market share is down to about, I think maybe 60% of organized real estate and we're the other 40%, but we're the startup, you know, that grew from zero market share to our 40% and we continue to grow and, um, and they don't, <laughs> so we, we owe them a lot. So James, um, you, you consider the, the real estate boards as your clients, like you're selling the, it to them or through them, you're selling directly to brokerages. We are selling directly to the, to the boards. 
And in most cases, it is the board and not the multiple listing service that provides the lockbox service. You know, for example, in Ontario, we have contracts with 17 real estate boards. Now, 14 of those boards belong to a regional MLS called Ordis, but Ordis deals with the multiple listing service. They provide the, you know, the, the matrix MLS system, but they let the boards handle the lockboxes. And this really was a, a decision that was made as a concession, you know, as these boards gave up their MLS systems and turned it over to regional MLSs, they were losing that control and losing that service they provided. And it was a revenue generator. You know, most boards, MLSs, you know, need to mark up their costs, you know, so that, that so that it's a revenue generator, sometimes in some cases, even a for-profit proposition. And so in most cases, the real estate boards were allowed to keep the lockbox business as a concession saying, you know, we've taken your MLS business from you, but we know you need non-dues revenue so you can have the lockbox business. We don't, we don't want it because it seems so complicated to manage, but it's not. But most MLSs are happy to let the boards, you know, have that piece of business. So most of our customers are the local real estate board. And, and in some cases, the, the, the multiple listing service, but that's, that's the exception to the rule. So what's we the process the then? to get a lockbox from from you to the board to David's brokerage at Sutton Summit to an actual agent? Sure. Most associations um, vet out their their vendors, you know, whether it's a lockbox vendor, an MLS vendor, maybe, you know, a year, a year and a half before they have to, you know, before a current contract expires, for example. So very often a a lockbox task force is formed at, at the at the real estate association. Um, they are tasked with vetting out the options. And when it comes to lockboxes, it's basically us and the other guys, and to solicit um, bids from us. You know, I, I often receive a very informal RFP, a request for a proposal from a realtor association. I put together the pricing and product information. I often meet in person to do a, a live presentation and you know do what they call the, the dog and pony show. And if I do my job well, um, chances are the vote for a recommendation is going to fall in favor of Central Lock. And the task force is going to recommend to the board leadership, you know, we recommend the Central Lock system. And uh, from there, the, the board approves the, uh, the recommendation. We have a very brief contract negotiation period because our contracts are standardized. You know, our customers sign a, a the real estate board signs a very standard service agreement with us. That over the next 84 months or you know eight years or seven years or six years what have you that we're going to be their exclusive provider of electronic lockbox service and here's all the things we're going to do for them here's our responsibilities and here's your responsibilities um typically when the contract is signed six months later is the the implementation event you know communications start to go out to the members letting them know hey we're switching to the central lock system you know this this august you know here's what you need to know Here's links where you need to click on to, you know, to download the Central Lock app. Here's where you sign up for your virtual classes you're going to take prior to. Here's the details about how you're going to come in and pick up your new lock boxes. And uh, so that that in implementation event takes place. Now, pre-COVID, that was always an in-person event. It was a it was a carnival. It was a boot camp bringing, you know, whether it was hundreds or thousands of agents through a facility to sit through a, a presentation, a class, in many cases, drop off their old lock boxes, pick up their new boxes. It was a, it was a, a big complicated event. During COVID, that whole thing had to change to a, a virtual uh, model where all the training was done via meetings like this on Zoom. And we began to drop ship the boxes directly to the brokerage offices. Um, yet still, you know, we don't have a contract or a business relationship with the brokerage. It's a service, you know, we're the vendor doing this on behalf of the, the association, the real estate board, because it's their central lock system. It's their service they're providing to their members, and we're there helping them with the with the launch, you know, we're, with the uh, the onboarding of the system. We're, we're very much in the picture, but we're not physically there. It's all done remotely, and it's worked beautifully. The um, since we've switched to a virtual model, and it's funny that your industry would have resisted that, would have refused, they would have demanded that we be on site and that we conduct this boot camp. And now that these virtual events have gone so effectively, it, it's their preference. We get much better reviews and ratings. And so 
it, it's yeah. uh, it's a lot less painful for the agents. They don't have to dedicate a two or three hour block of time to, to sit through a, a day of ordeal of a conversion event. It's all more done. It, it's just real simplified and, and people like it a lot. So the boxes are in the agent's hands. They arrive to the office pre-programmed. Whether, whether that office is getting 10 boxes or 50 boxes, those boxes arrive pre-programmed and pre-owned by the agents in that office who are participating, people who you know who are subscribing to the service and they can hit yeah. the ground running. They can open up their app. They've learned how to use the app to take off the shackle and put the doorknob, put, put the box on the doorknob, showing agents know how to open the boxes and we proceed from there. So David, when you receive a bunch of these at your end, what do you do? You have a control system as to how you get them to different agents or do how do you deal with the distribution at your end? Well, it's a great question, one that uh, I'm sure I'm going to have to learn at some point in the future. But yeah. my understanding, James, is that your talks with the uh, Mississauga Real Estate Board are, uh, are, are still uh, uh, in their preliminary phase. Uh, they haven't implemented uh, a, a blanket um, um, decision yet, um, but uh, they are considering it. And I think it's an important decision. I think it's a decision that, uh, you know, we have to support as members of, of the board because, uh, you know, I don't think we talk enough about our clients' safety and security. Um, and, you know, we've all seen the videos on YouTube of how easy some of these log boxes are to pick. And at the end of the day, the client's keys are inside. And, and once somebody has access to that uh, log box, um, you know, they have unfeathered access and unchecked access into a client's home. And, you know, I, I think as an industry, the technology is there and, and we can be doing better and we should be doing better. Um, one of my favorite features of your lock, James, is the fact that every single time it's opened, the listing agent gets an instant notification that the lockbox has been opened. And not only that, by who it's been accessed and opened. Right. So the sense of control. Right. Yeah, the sense of control is 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 great. And I mean, I can see, you know, uh, a lot of really great applications where, you know, people might be running late, people might be running early, the wrong agent is, is accessing the property. And, you know, there's a lot of information that is flowing back to the listing agent. And, uh, you know, he can uh, instantly pick up the phone, communicate with that agent, get in touch with the sellers and, and really know um, exactly what's happening with the showing uh, every step of the way. The, the other aspect that I, I really like is, you know, we get complaints all the time that agents miss appointments. They book appointments and they miss appointments. And, and you know, this is a big recall and, and TREB rule that, uh, you know, you have to cancel. You have to notify the listing office that you're not intending on, on showing up and, and that you're canceling. And, and look, homeowners take a long time. Sometimes, you know, they have kids. Sometimes it takes hours to get a house ready for showing. Right. And when a realtor books an appointment and then doesn't uh, give the seller or the listing agent the courtesy of letting them know they're not coming, um, you know, that reflects very poorly in our industry as a whole. Right. And, and, and sellers really take offense to that. So now having a system in place where you're notified when that showing doesn't occur, um, I think works as a really good deterrent to really, you know, level up, raise the stakes you know, to, to act more professionally and, and, and to conduct ourselves uh, in a more responsible manner. Yeah, I, I think you've hit on a key. I, I think the, um, the, the growth of the, the use of electronic lockboxes in your industry does go hand in hand with the increase in professionalism in your industry that I've seen over the last 40 years. You know, real estate has really become a more professional profession, if you will. And, uh, you know, technology you know, did separate the, the people that should and maybe shouldn't be in the business. And that, that was a big fear a lot of them had. And it was well-grounded because, you know, it, it, it did help show who was cut out. And I think lockboxes follow that same trajectory. And, uh, it, and a lot of the reason for it too are the, the buyers, you know, your, your buyers are far more educated and savvy than the buyers from earlier decades. They, they, you know, they're doing their own searches on the public facing, you know, real estate sites and they they understand what a lockbox is. And if you try to put 
they're going to they're going to voice their concerns about the physical security. And to take this step further, RICO requires you to disclose, you know, the the security risk of putting this thing on your house. And if it's one of our lock boxes, those risks are minimal. But if it's a, a you know a box you a lock box you purchased at the hardware store, a mechanical box that costs nineteen bucks and it's basically a hide a key, you know, you might be. It, just as well off putting the key under a mat because those boxes are so easily compromised and ours are you know, extremely difficult to compromise. You've got to be out of your mind to try to break into one of them. Um, where were these, where these, these, these hide a key type of devices, you know, it, it's a very uncomplicated to, to pop them open and get the key out and no one's the wiser. James, oh, I... sorry. Uh, I was just going to ask James if if the Mississauga Real Estate Board or if a uh, real estate board doesn't make the decision to go with electronic log boxes, is it still feasible for agents to use this product? Um, in some cases, in the in the Toronto market, we have two big Remax offices who are central lock customers. Two okay. these are companies that have two and three hundred agents. So from our point of view, they're no different than a 300 member real estate board. And so you know, we did enter into contracts with them. Our, our model requires an, a, a substantial initial purchase of a, you know, a couple hundred boxes. So it's a barrier for the, the medium to smaller associations, uh, real estate companies. But these two Remax offices you know, do our customers of ours, but we treat them just like a real estate board. It is, however, it's not a retail product where I could just send, I mean, I get, I get calls from Toronto agents every week wanting to buy lockboxes from us and we're not a retailer. We don't, you know, we, we, we can't, we're not set up to send them and build them for a lockbox. It has to be, um, you know, a group, a bulk purchase of the association. You know, we're like the wholesaler and the association is the retailer that's providing the service to their members. So it needs our system is designed to work best as an association product and not a brokerage product. So let me just understand this. So let's say it's, it's done through the association association, or even in that Remax example, the training will be at that end mm -hmm. uh, on the user end of it. But I'm assuming it's not that big a deal for an agent who, who's not familiar with it at all to be given instructions on how to access the lockbox. You know, when they're not doing it on a day-to-day -day basis, they're not part of that association. They're just an agent coming to, to bring someone and they're not used to your system, but they're told, here's the instructions how to get the key out. Yeah, it, it's a, I mean, it, it really is simple. It's very intuitive. So if they are a subscriber, if they have our mobile app on their phone, you know, they're all set. They'll make the appointment just like they always do. Right. They'll make it directly from the agent or through But the if they're not, if they're not used to it, it's a one-off type of thing. Is that, a, is that yeah. an issue or is it hard for someone to figure out what to do? Um, we, <laughs> it might be for some people, but we, we invest heavily in supporting these people. A quick call to our call center that's open seven days a week, 8 a.m. to midnight, and an agent is standing by uh, Within seconds, they'll they'll talk the agent through their fears of what to do, which is simply open the box, press the press the power button on the box so it emits a Bluetooth signal, and just stand there. In a couple of seconds, the box pops open. I mean, it's as simple as that. But they might need to be talked through that the first one or two times they do it if they didn't attend training. And then again, if and if they're an agent who doesn't have our mobile app, you know, say a Toronto agent wanting to come in and show a Mississauga listing. Our lockbox system um, generates uh, flexible codes that can be used in those instances. So that agent walks up and they literally punch in a one-time code into the box and the code works in place of them having their own valid credentials. And that's also how, you know, how a listing agent would service you know, the other people that need access to the house, like the videographer or the home stager or the carpet cleaners, you know, things like you know, the service workers that come in. So it's, uh, it, it's, it's secure enough that the homeowner should feel safe with it on there, but it's flexible enough that it's going to really make the listing agent's job easy because they can give access to whoever legitimately needs access. They can go through the lockbox. And, and you do, if you're going to go to the trouble of putting one on the house, you want all the accesses to be through the lockbox. You don't want one off, you know, I'm going to leave the door unlocked for you or, or have a 
key under the mat for you or drive out and let you in. You know, we want every access to be through the lockbox so that there's a, a reliable audit. That's you know, a big part of the security proposition is that is that there'll never be an anonymous entry into that listing if they use one of our lockboxes, where if they use any other method, including mechanical boxes, there's really no way of knowing for sure every access. And a lot of them will have been anonymous. Yeah, I'm wondering if this is not a product that some just homeowner consumers would want to have at some point too. If you, you're going to be away or you're working and you got to let a trade into your house mm -hmm. to do something, and if you had a lockbox or something like that, you give them a one-time code, they can let themselves in, do what they got to do, let themselves out, lock it up and yeah. put it back in the box. Plenty of central lock employees use our boxes that way because we have that kind of access. And, and you see you see the uh, the smart lock industry going in that direction too, you know, like, like you know, way for the FedEx agent to let himself into your house, do your smart lock. And incidentally, we're also in talks with the smart lock companies because a couple of decades from now, we won't. We won't have these big vaults. You know, we'll we'll be integrating directly with the homeowners, integrated with their actual lock. smart lock system. But that but that's down the road, and there's challenges right. there because those things are designed to let people in, not to keep people out. And it's very much, you know, centered on inside the home and interacting with the appliances and the lights and stuff. But that that's the future, and that's we're already looking at that. Yeah. That's uh, that's really interesting. I'm I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, all the successful companies that uh, David and I come across, I mean, you know, they're visionaries and they kind of look at the future and see, look how technology is changing, right? So, um, you know, I give you guys a lot of credit. I think you guys have an awesome product. I think you guys fill, you know, a, a terrific void. Uh, you know, I, I think there's plenty of uses for this technology, and and I think it's something that you know. The demand needs to come from within. I, I think we as an industry need to step up and say, hey, you know what, this is, uh, this is good for everybody. Um, it's it's going to be a great reflection on us. It's going to eliminate and act as a deterrent in a lot of cases. And uh, it, it's going to make the whole experience a lot more professional to, to the sellers in the industry and to the buyers too. You know, when, when you're a showing agent and you walk up and you put your phone next to the log box, and it opens, um, you know, I, I, I would be impressed as a client. I'd be like, wow, you know, this is, uh, this is pretty cool. And, you know, high level of security and high level of technology. And, you know, I, I'm glad I'm working with a realtor that uh, uh, embraces technology and, 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 and conducts themselves this way. Yeah, um, uh, realtors who use our system tend to incorporate the lockbox, a pitch for the lockbox in their listing presentation when they're you know, trying to win the listing and competing with other agents for it. So those those two companies in Toronto who use our system, you know, they they use that to differentiate themselves in a listing presentation. You know, we're we're the company that cares about your security, and here's how I can, and here's proof. Here's the technology we use um, for access, and I'll you know, and and for uh, auditing you know, who who has and hasn't been there. So yes, it becomes um, something that you're if you're not going to use it and your competitor does, they it may give them an advantage over you. And I'm real proud of the Mississauga board for moving forward with this. Their, their intention is to basically, you know, to encourage agents to, to subscribe to the key system, you know, to get the app that is an annual subscription. And with your subscription, everyone's going to get at a minimum one, you know, free lockbox to get you started. And then hopefully that will, that will create the interest in them buying more boxes down the road. Most, most of the other Ontario boards took a different approach to it. And the boxes are simply a, a, core service included in the board membership. You know, they, they decided just to throw the, the wide net out and automatically make every member included. Every member is a key holder and every member has access to the lock boxes they need. That's, that's one extreme way to enter it. Mississauga is taking a, a little bit more cautious approach, but they're still, you know, they're, they're so focused on expanding services of their association. And I'm real impressed by it. And I'm glad we're part of it as well. I'm just hoping they have a good, uh, a good influence on the Toronto Association. We'd love to see Toronto using our boxes, but I know a lot of Toronto agents wish they were using Central Lock. I take their calls every week and I have to disappoint them and tell them, no, we, we can't sell you one box. It would have to be through your association. Yeah, I, I find this all really interesting from my end as, as a lawyer, because as you guys know, the lockbox system wasn't part of our closing process until recently you know that was 
something we would hear about and we'd hear from frustrated people trying to get keys for showings and for for visits and things like that but we would receive keys on clothing we meet up with our clients before the closing to sign documents etc we would get keys mm -hmm. and we would deliver the keys to the buyer's lawyer in escrow and that's the way they would get access to the home once we closed the transaction mm -hmm. and really it was a a, a covid driven change in the industry where it was okay we're not going to do that anymore because we weren't seeing clients in the office and we didn't want to get the keys and then use couriers to send the keys out so we started incorporating the lockbox system at, to facilitate the closing as well so the keys were left in the lockbox we finished closing we now provide the code to the buyer and that's how they're going to go get access to it so mm -hmm. on that end we need a system that works when they get there and put in the code we need that to work. We need that box to open. And it's really frustrating when we get calls from people and say, you know, we, we've done, they're so excited. They get there and they can't get the key out of the box. Yeah. Right. So, you know, that's an important system. And the fact that you can do these one-off codes, you know, to give it and, and it's user-friendly, I think is a great facilitator because we're never going to go back to the system of delivering keys to the lawyer and delivering those keys to the other lawyer and then going picking up at the lawyer's office like that's not you know the genie's out of the bottle we're doing it this way now so right so nobody goes back to the old way You're absolutely right. right so what we need is the is the the new improved technology so we can actually trace with this technology who actually showed up at the house and and got the code we don't need the agent even to go access the lock code boxing after we close to provide the key to the buyer the buyer should be able to access it themselves right yeah and they can and they can yeah and it, it's, it's a common practice to leave the box on there even with the new owner sometimes the listing agent is still involved with some follow-up work some promises that were made you know the carpet there's gonna be new carpet put in at this date and so the box stays on there until it's absolutely not needed anymore yeah but you can change the codes yeah well the as, as you need them to give somebody yeah. different people the one time code you know, whether it's a yeah. trade or whether it's the, the actual buyer eventually and the technology changes the codes automatically the, the codes are self-generated in the box and they are different every day and can only be used at the time you know the appointment time that the listing agent gave them so you might give the uh you know the the, the service worker a half hour window or a half day window or a two-day window you know when their code is going to be valid it's very flexible and under under control of the listing agent exclusively Super cool, and you know so many so many applications, right? But you know, you give, and I mean, you're not supposed to give out the code without the written permission of the yeah. seller, right? But sometimes the seller, you know, doesn't understand the risks, um, and, and they agree to give out the code to a carpet cleaner. Well, that carpet cleaner under the old system now has unfeathered access at any time of the day. Yeah. You know, for, the, for as long as that log box is there and the key is inside. To the premises and i mean you know we never talk about the worst case scenario in these situations but god forbid you know it's a it's a single mother in the house alone and and he shows up 11 p.m and and accesses the house and you know i, I mean it, it just you know it's not a secure system yeah do you want to talk about a worst case scenario you um about naming names you, you you're you're familiar with uh uh, a real high profile homicide in Toronto in late 2017, a pharmaceutical um, executive and his wife were, were murdered in their home. Yeah. The home was for sale. I think and I it, know which case you're talking about. Well, it was interesting to me that, that lock boxes were mentioned several times in the, in the crime reports that I read. Um, you know, that morning, the, the gardener and the maid let themselves in the house through the realtor's lockbox. They, you know, they had the code. That's how they got in the house to start their work day. You know, the bodies were discovered by a realtor who was there with the with buyers at opened the lockbox to let themselves in. Um, the Toronto Globe and Mail, you know, during the investigation ran an article, I couldn't believe my eyes, um, saying, you know, that the, the police have a real valuable lead is that there was a lockbox on the house and they're going to be able to get the lockbox and see all the accesses and, and be able you know, to aid the investigation, they're gonna receive this, this list of all the accesses into the house through the lockbox. And I just had, to, I read in kind of disbelief because clearly the writer didn't realize it was a mechanical lockbox that had no record of accesses. Wow. 
and I kept watching for the follow-up to that, and there never was one. They were never mentioned again. But lo and behold, six months later, Rico comes out with that that June 2008 bulletin, all you know, reprimanding realtors in in, in Ontario about their lockbox practices, and I. I believe it was directly related, you know, to that to that homicide is why Rico took such a strong stand, you know, reminding realtors and practitioners, you know, you 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 have to, you know, manage this appropriately and you you have to get your sellers buy in and they have to, you know, you 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 have to get their understanding of the risks of what you're, you know, putting on the house. And I just I just don't think it was a coincidence that that thing came out 6 months after this homicide it was a very very high profile but, had the potential to put or realtors in a very bad light, and luckily it didn't. Um, but uh, it, it certainly caught my attention, and I think it's what led to you know a lot of those 14 Toronto area boards that did sign with us. I, I think it was all related to that RICO bulletin, and the decision was you know they've been talking about electronic lock boxes for years, and I think that was the event that pushed the decision process, pushed them to a decision, and. You know, now they're four years, four years with Central Lock, and they love their Central Lock systems, and it's become a a very accepted practice in those markets. And I keep waiting for it to lead over into Toronto. James, what are what do you think are some of the driving reasons why why you know a board like Toronto hasn't adopted a system like this? I mean, well, it's a real clear reason. They had a bad experience long ago. You know, Toronto, before Central Lock was, was formed, in my in our earliest days, I heard the stories. Toronto implemented an electronic black box system, I think, you know, around the year 2000, and spent millions of dollars on the on the platform. But the decision was to make it optional, 100% optional, and so many people opted out that it was a failure, and it caused such bad feelings and, and so much member resentment that the board tells me they are never going to do it again. They're, they're never going to get burned again. They have no interest in being the provider of electronic lockboxes to their members. They encourage their members to, to address it on the brokerage level. But as I explained, there's a lot, lot of barriers to that. You know, so far only two brokerages have, have followed that advice from Treb. Um, and so the brokerages are on their own and they come up with their own solution. There are other electronic, there are retail products, you know, that they can acquire in place of ours and they're using them, but they're not secure. <laughs> so that's, I think should be a bigger concern, but it doesn't seem to be. Wow. That's interesting. Well, you know, as a brokerage, you definitely have my attention. Um, do you mind sharing what the minimum number of log boxes that you uh, that that somebody has to purchase is? What that uh, two, two, we say two hundred. You know, we that would be like a very small realtor association that would fit our model. So those companies did make it, and you know, it's like about a twenty thousand dollar upfront expense to acquire those boxes, and 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 for that we will build your custom admin system. You know, we we have a whole back end system to create. It's very labor intensive, and so that that covers our costs so that it's not a losing proposition for us. And then moving forward, you know, you're like a regular central lock customer. You have a customer service rep in our home office for your administrative needs, any reports you need, any help you need with anything. The agents, you know, have access to our call center. And I can tell you those, those two companies in Toronto that use our system, uh, like I said, they, they leverage it as one of their advantages, and they're fine that the other companies don't use us. They they think it's terrific that they have this sort of unique unique relationship, and and all the accesses are through the codes, you know. So if you're if you went to show one of their listings, their software interfaces, our software interfaces with their showing service. So when you book the appointment through their showing service, the showing service is able to grab the code and provide it in the showing instructions that one time code for that showing. And so they're real happy with it. Maybe you guys, like, I don't know the answer to this. I wouldn't ask the question, but typically how many boxes would an agent want, an individual agent, active agent, how many would they normally want to have available? Because once you put it on a home, it could be there for a month, two months sometimes, right? Depending on the type of access, or are they putting it there, taking it off, coming back because they got to use it? So like, what would a typical agent, like David, like an active agent, how many would yeah. they really want? T typically, they have um, a lockbox inventory equal to their average listing inventory. If they average 10 listings at a time, 
they probably have 10 lock boxes plus two more, you know, so there's always two on the shelf. That would be the rule of thumb. And for an association, that's their rule of thumb that, you know, you, you go to a real estate board that provides central lock to all their members. They, their, in, their entire inventory is probably 110% of their average listing inventory. Yeah, because we know that like the market fluctuates, obviously. And yeah. And like, you know, right now someone's like, oh yeah, I need three or four. And, and then a month from now they might say, hey, I need a dozen. And, and can right. they act, can they get more quickly if they need more? Yeah, well, they actually can. And, and some boards operate their central lock system like a lending library. Some associations choose to care, closely monitor where the boxes are. It's easy for them to pull reports and know who has the boxes. And they can reach out to a company and say, hey, you've, you've had an excess of a dozen lock boxes more than what you need for the last year. And we have a shortage. We don't want to have to go buy more. So they call them back in, you know, that they manage their systems that way. A lot of associations don't know if they just turn it over. After that initial implementation, every broker receives boxes, you know, comparable to their listing inventory and they're their boxes forever. When their inventory goes up, they, they acquire more boxes, whether they buy them from the board or whether the board subsidizes that for them, um, but they never turn any back in. So when we go in and replace our competitor, you know, where they've been at a board for 30 years, you know, a, a thousand member board might have 20,000 lockboxes because they just built them up over the years. And we know they only need 3,000 boxes. So I, I go in and I encourage them, don't ask us to replace all 20,000 boxes when you 17,000 of them are never, ever going to get used. We don't want to you know, waste your money. So we try to convince them to scale back and go back to the beginning and just get the, the boxes they need, you know, for now and for the near immediate future. And then if the inventory changes and, and suddenly there's a huge inventory, you know, it, it we have a warehouse full of black box. Typically we have a, a warehouse full of boxes and can, can fulfill an order almost immediately. That hasn't been true in the last year, you know, with the supply chain issues, our inventory um, reached record lows. We've, we've had to really ration um, our, our boxes, but it's there's light at the end of the tunnel on that. You know, the parts are coming in again, and we're our production is getting back up to normal. But boy, we were hit hard by this. All those, all those ships out in LA Harbor not delivering their computer parts. Those were including our our microchips for our lock boxes, and it's uh, it was it was a rough year. Yeah, because I'm thinking 200 doesn't go that far. Like if you you know yeah. if you had a minimum 200 boxes, like if each agent needs 10, yeah. you know that's it doesn't go that far. Yeah. That's that's what we think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I uh, my juices are flowing, and and you know, uh, as a, as a brokerage owner, I'm I'm thinking, you know, what if we implement a, a policy where we require all our listings to have this technology, but we give agents the option to rent or to buy these log boxes from from us, um, and they can rent them for you know fifty dollars per listing or they can buy them for whatever the cost is of the log box. And we just kind of make it a little bit more of a flexible solution for them. But I love the fact that the showing system that we use automatically generates the one-time password for members that are not part of center lock. Is there a way to differentiate? Like if a realtor books an appointment, is there a way to mark on his profile, whether he has an app or not, to know whether the system should be generating a one-time passcode or whether they should be granting him access to the app. When they book through the showing service, they'll answer a question um, telling the showing service that they need the code. You know, it, the showing service will ask them if they're a subscriber and if they are, they don't need a code. And so the showing service handles that. And then when you get your showing report, when you log into Central Lock and view the full showing report for this particular property, it's color coded by whether they use their own, whether they were a subscriber who used their Sentry Key app, whether they provided, whether they were provided a flex code. And then there's even an app-based alternative to the to the flex code that shows you in the report through the color coding, you know, which was which right there. So you got a nice visual cue of the activity on that listing. It's amazing, James. Well, listen, you know what? You guys are doing some great things for the industry. And, yeah. uh, you know, I, I think as somebody who loves technology and who embraces technology, and I know David uh, is has a very similar viewpoint, you know, we're very excited about, you know, some of the changes that are coming on the horizon. Um, and I think this is a really important topic. Safety and security should be at the forefront of every conversation. 
Um, and I think it's our responsibility as professionals to really safeguard the safety and security of our clients. Yeah, I, I think your homeowners will be impressed with you when you present how you provide, when you get into the access discussion, how you're going to provide secure audited access into their home. And when you introduce the lockbox to them, it could be a very impressive factor in your listing presentation. And we won't let you down. You know, being owned by NAR, they mandate that we we invest heavily in our technology, you know, being the most innovative company and providing the best customer service in the industry. And our there's no company like ours. I, I call I call customer service companies all the time. I'm on the phone with Verizon, with Dell. I, I bother everybody. It's customer service. And I'm accustomed to waiting in, you know, an hour for help and being triaged and going through three people. That doesn't happen with Central Lock. Our average speed to answer a call is under 20 seconds, which is unheard of. And total um, completion time of our calls averages under five minutes. And if you go to our Facebook page, you're going to see nothing but, you know, but glowing reports of people saying, oh, you know, Central Lock save my skin because you know people panic when that box doesn't seem to be operating properly you know it's uh it's it's a panicky feeling you know my very first real estate experience in my life and my life when my wife and I looked at our first potential home back in the 1980s here in the Lansing Michigan area um the realtor couldn't open the lock box it was one of our competitors boxes it was electronic and the thing was just dead and it was the dead of winter and that memory has never left that experience I remember the guy's name and I remember the house, and I know it was, a, I didn't really know for sure what a lockbox was, I, I, but it was my competitor, and I've just never forgotten that first impression that it made on me, so, you know, it's, I, I'm real proud of our company at the, the, the uptime, you know, the boxes that hardly ever fail, they're, they're electronic, and they're man-made, and something's going to go wrong sometime, but the, uh, the success rate is very high, the failure rate of these boxes, extremely low, they're very, very reliable. So, um, what, what, is the cause of any failures of these things? Is it like it's operating on a battery and the battery might well have um, to be replaced? Battery, the battery lasts a decade. It's a 10-year battery, and that's the primary battery. And then there's a secondary backup battery. So in that, um, if 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 you open my lockbox and the battery is getting low, um, your app is going to send me a notice that I have a low battery, which usually means I've got about 90 more operations you know, to go before I have to replace that battery. Um, you need a you need an active battery because you've got to be able to remove the shackle and take off this cover to replace the battery. It's sitting right in here, um, so that's how we that's how we handle that. So battery failures are rare, but it can happen. When there's a defective battery, it's usually defective right away. Those are the kind of things that usually happen in the first days of an installation if there are any bad batteries. It's very very rare. Um, other failures, and the batteries aren't rechargeable batteries; they're replacement batteries because they have such a and it's a 10-year military-grade battery. It's the same batteries that the airlines put in their black boxes. You know, it's this high-end military-grade as opposed to a commercial-grade or even consumer-grade. You know, so yeah, it's, it's a powerful thing. Um, other failures, gosh, um, interesting. I, I don't want to just say user errors, but there's an awful lot of user errors. Like, like they'll say, oh, the box didn't open. The green light flashed and all that, and it didn't open. Are you sure? tug on that little tab on the bottom and they plug on the tab and, and they go, oh, well, what do you know? It is open. It just was, you know, it, it's still new and it's a little sticky and it didn't just drop right down. Lots of calls like that, you know, that yeah. people are kind of panicky and there's a quick solution to it. Every now and again, the, there, there's more steps to take. There's There's been times when there'd be a coding error where the box needs to be recalibrated, but the, the agent we talk them right through that on the on the phone. Say, so press these eight keys in sequence. Watch the lights flash, and now the box is recalibrated, and now it will open. You're back in business. You know, so it's most most issues are resolved right then. I think the reviews we get from customers is that like 89% first call resolution of the problem. You know, the problem is solved right there on that on that call in under five minutes, the vast majority of the time. Yeah. James, you, you mentioned, and I want to come back to this because you mentioned this a couple of times and, and I didn't expand on it because I, I wanted to, uh, to kind of uh, dive into this at the, at the end of our call, but you mentioned being owned by NAR. And, and to me, you know, that uh, um, is, is something really exceptional because 
Um, my understanding from our conversation is that NAR has a whole separate division. And for those who don't know, NAR is the National Association of Realtors. Uh, similar to what Korea is in Canada, NAR is in the States. They're, they're the overarching organization that governs real estate uh, in, in the United States. They, they manage realtor.com. Uh, they manage a whole bunch of different trademarks, including the realtor trademark. Um, and they do a lot of lobbying and, and they do a lot of designations and, and training and, and put on events. So NAR is the uh, uh, similar company to Korea, but it, uh, it's in the States. Exactly. And, and the, uh, the CEO of NAR, Bob Goldberg, you know, he's moved up through his career, focused very much on trying to make NAR less dependent on agent dues and more reliant on non-dues revenue. And so that's what Centralike is to NAR. We generate non-dues revenue to NAR. We've been a profitable company. We've been in the black since our first six months of operations. And so NAR benefits financially from their ownership of Centralike in, in our generating non-dues revenue for them. And that concept expanded dramatically to where it's a whole wholly owned, that, that, that business investment side of NAR is a whole separate wholly owned subsidiary of NAR now. And um, that's what they do. They you call them an, an incubator, right? They, they look for startups, small companies who, who have promise, mostly in the tech, you know, in real estate technology and, and potentially, you know, seed them with investment dollars uh, to, to help the companies grow. It's a, it, it's a big, big uh, part of NAR. And I, I don't think Korea is actively a part of it, but you know, but but this program reaches out to Canadian companies as well. They there's the acronym REACH is their division that is doing this in Canada and Australia and the UK and so on. So it's it's now has an international reach to it and it's grown a lot, a lot. When I was because we were the first investment they made, and now I lost track of how many companies they have. Have you looked into it, David? Are there a couple hundred? Maybe just I haven't music. yet, but I mean, I'm I'm really excited to to kind of have a conversation with them and see if there's you know um, a way that an agent can possibly work with them because you know we feel that you know we have an amazing product that an agent and we feel that we're going to really be impactful to the real estate industry, um, but you know there's there's an adoption curve that um, we need to uh, be mindful of and you know that adoption curve can be a lot steeper if we have the involvement of an organization like NAR. Uh, first of all, you know, the, the investment dollars are important for scaling. But second of all, is the relationship and the association with NAR that would open a lot of doors for any, um, you know, new startup, including, uh, including a company like Inagent. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, it's worth looking into. So we're really excited about that. And, you know, the other thing that I'm excited about is that these incubation products exist, right? Because, you know, David and I, I mean, one of the reasons why we started this podcast in the first place is to really level up and, and, and you know, in, encourage more professionalism and, you know, uh, really raise the bar in the real estate industry. And I feel that that's what NAR is doing by supporting some of these companies when it comes to innovation technology and, and leadership in the real estate industry. So um, super excited to learn more about it. Super excited to see who's a part of the program. And, mm -hmm. and you know, CenterLock is, is really no exception to that rule. You guys have had ex exemplary growth in the last 18 years. And, you know, that's probably a big reason why. I think I think we're the best investment NAR ever made. But I'm, <laughs> but I'm, I'm biased. Unbiased opinion. Here you go. And you heard it on the David and David on Real Estate Podcast. <laughs> Look at me. I'm on a podcast. My bucket list is complete. <laughs> there you go. And how does Korea deal with this? Like, I assume, if you've, I assume you've approached them directly at some point, or no. they're saying go go on your own province by province? And No, our, our, all, the only um, involvement between us and Korea is a... a an informal marketing agreement. You know, for example, our last generation lockbox, you know, we've always had the Realtor R on our lockbox. As you notice, it's the Canadian Realtor R. So they've, they want us, you know, using their logo on our product in Canada and, and in our marketing materials in Canada. So they're, you know, they wish us luck. Oh, and we, um, 
And our, our board of directors, we have a small board of directors made up of, of a couple of brokers and a couple of association executives. That's a real unique thing about Central Lock. But our newest member is a Canadian um, multiple listing service director from Calgary. So we we are we open our arms to CREA and we have a you know a marketing agreement and a good relationship with CREA, but CREA has no vested interest and you know no ownership stake whatsoever in Central Lock. Um, but they wish us well, you know, and, and, uh, and even with NAR being our owner, I often introduce us as NAR's best kept secret. I meet with boards every, every month and the group I meet with are surprised almost every time to learn that their national association is the wholly owner of Cedrock. They don't know that NAR doesn't promote us because I just think they don't want to ever be accused of, you know, trying to cram us down the throats of their of their members their mission was just simply to provide the alternative to, you know to, to to respond to this member driven demand that NAR do something about the lack of competition and NAR said okay we did it we we launched a company we funded a company with a viable product so leave us alone <laughs> and that's kind of what happened I don't think anyone expected central lock to be the success story that it is um but everything like I said everything just aligned and uh it was, we were in the right place at the right time with the right product and our and our our culture you know our our goal to be you know to provide exceptional service and to be a world class technology company you know we've been able to to accomplish that you know through the support we've had and through through the growth we've had in the customer base we've established so it's it's been a good story amazing james well listen thank you so much for coming on the podcast and uh sure. And sharing your story with us, um, you know, uh, we we certainly really enjoyed this conversation. I think it's an important one, and I think there's a lot of takeaways here. And um, you know, my message to the industry and to other leaders and, and and realtors is, you know, reach out to your local board. You know, whatever your board may be, whether it's the Toronto Real Estate Board, whether whether it's the Mississauga Real Estate Board. And, and voice your opinion that this is a product and service that you know we want in the industry and we need. Uh, reach out to your broker of record and, and, and you know tell them that, uh, first of all, they should be watching the David and David on Real Estate Podcast. <laughs> and second of all, you know, that this product does exist and, and you know, for them to reach out to their local board and, and to ask for it. Because I think as a whole, you know, we need to all step up and raise our professionalism and, and, you know, talk about some of these issues and do a better job of explaining to the client what those risks are. Because I think if the client understands the risks with the current log boxes and what they really look like, um, you know, I, I think this is going to become a, a, a standard de facto service that everybody will need to start offering in, in, the, in the future. And, you know, I love your vision of, of, integrating some of these showing services with our current smart systems are, are coming up because, you know, more and more, you know, we're going to see more and more of that technology, you know, uh, at, at, uh, at my family cottage, you know, we have a thumbprint thing that we can, you know, I have the app on my phone, I can give access to whoever I want, right? So, I mean, it'd be great if, if you know, if, if I wanted to Airbnb my cottage or, 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 you know, if I ever list the cottage for sale, if that could somehow integrate with the showing system and we could give out access uh, using, using that system on file as well, right? But, you know, that's complicated because there's a lot of vendors using that technology and streamlining everything is, is, is not an easy task, but you know, I, I'm confident that if anybody can do it, you guys can, can, and, um... yeah. well, and speaking of which, it gives me the, reminds me, I need to plug also, you know, in addition to our lockbox service, we did launch our own showing service. Um, it's called Century Key Showing Service. At this point, our, our go-to-market plan with it currently is that we're only offering it to boards that use our lockbox system. And we've got quite a few installations under our belt, um, going, reaching out, to boards who don't use our lockboxes system is, is, is a next phase that's coming, um, but we're we're in the game as well. So we just like we wanted to provide a viable alternative, you know, to a to a monopoly in the lockbox environment. Um, you know, we're we have the same mindset in terms of the showing service. There's not a lot of choices. There are a couple of nice companies out there with great products, and ours will be uh, very comparable or is very comparable. Um, so keep your eye on us in that regard as well. Awesome. Well, we're definitely, definitely encouraging you from our end. You know, anything that's bringing 
the industry next level, the technology, you know, if everybody had this today, they'd all be better off using this technology, more safe, more secure, simpler system. You have access, you know, who's coming in and out. It makes so much sense. It's a question of just getting it out there and getting the word out. So if, you know, everybody watches this podcast, I can't believe they would not say, hey, we need that too. Let's do what we, what do we have to do to take steps to get this through our association to our brokerage into the hands of the agents it's technology's there everybody should take advantage of it great system very yeah. interesting james thanks for coming on today great so we're going to say goodbye <laughs> we're going to say goodbye um but hopefully, leave. hopefully not not for long because uh, i think uh, you know we're going to have some conversation uh, off podcast about the service and you know, I, I'd love to be uh, get involved and and you know be one of the front runners in in the Mississauga area. I see lots of value, and I think um, the industry will as well. Thank you, James. Thanks for being on. Go on, guys. Talk to you later. Thanks, guys. Okay.